story. If I told you something, it would be a story. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate requesting speak. Might tell you just continue what we talked about on at the conference. That's perfection. If you remember, we talked about in Matthew the fifth chapter and verse forty-eight, where the Lord assigned, I use that terminology, his disciples, be ye perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I realized that many times and I know Debbie, you've heard heard the terminology, nobody's perfect. Well, that's man's outlook. Say, so you mean to tell me that someone is perfect? And the Lord here said, be perfect. As I stated at that conference, that you see, he wouldn't give us an assignment that wasn't attainable. But I want to, as I'm turning to this, the book of Philippians, the third chapter, as you're turning there, I might ask you the question. The Apostle Paul was a chosen vessel of God. He even told him, told Ananias, says, he's gonna, I'm going to show him things he must suffer for my name's sake. He was given an assignment. And as Paul was also, and I might keep, it, keep in mind what we read for you in our text at the conference, in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, and let me address that first, and then, then we'll turn to Philippians. But in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, and verse 15, uh, 16, he said, All Scripture <clears throat> is given by inspiration of God. Let me just pause there, and I hope that all of us, I would hope that we would center our thoughts. All Scripture is given. It's not something that we earn. It's not something we attain on our own. It's something that is given. He said all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we read for you what the inspiration of God is. It's the giving of understanding. So the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And that's what I want to point out that it's inspired, it's given to us. Even as the Apostle Paul, he was inspired not only to know and to understand what God was telling him, but also to write it down. He wrote it down. And I would hope <clears throat> that all of us would be in agreement that what the Apostle Paul wrote down, and I'll use this terminology, he knew what he was talking about. Because what he was talking about, Phoebe, was the truth about God. In, in Philippians, the third chapter. Let me read this for you. And, and as we're reading this, keep in mind, did the, did the Lord God know what to tell Paul? And did Paul know that it was correct in what he was writing down? I don't know how you would answer, but my answer, <clears throat> pardon me, is going to be in the affirmative. He knew what he was talking about. 
So here's what he wrote to the church at Philippi. Third chapter of the book of Philippians and verse 15. He said, let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. What he wrote down here, Ron, he said here, as many as be perfect. Didn't say become perfect. Be perfect. So they were perfect. And what he was talking about is to, be, to being thus minded or being like-minded. And we read that also in, in a let me find my place here where it makes mention of this in the second chapter of the book of Philippians. And this is the mind that I believe that they're going to have only because it's inspired by God not only to write it down but also to understand what has been written down. In Philippians, the second chapter in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ. I would hope that all of us are brought to realize this word let is not dependent upon man allowing or saying, God, well, it's okay with me if I have this mind. What God is saying here, this mind is going to be in you, that it was also in Christ. And that's what he's talking about, being thus minded. We talked about many things as far as being made perfect. But keep in mind, you see, there are ones that have been made perfect even now. And they are like-minded. And we'll talk about this a little, a little later as far as what the mind, uh, what, what, is, what is their mind or what is on their mind use it that way or in their mind on their mind but here as we talked about these things that the Lord inspired them to do and to be made perfect and I would hope that all of us are brought to realize because some things Phoebe I didn't get to make mention of because of the time limits on, on last Sunday but all of this you see is it was not by accident as well. And it was left out, Ron, in order that I might be able to talk about it this evening. But I want to point out, you see, in what we, what we read for you is, is, is the process of that assignment. And we asked the question there, how is this assignment brought to pass? Not only that, but who performs that assignment and the process of that assignment and also the result of that assignment. I think we understood or got to the point the result of that, pro that process or that assignment is going to be brought to pass because of what God has determined for us to be. And Mike, we're going to be made perfect. Not by our own hands. Not by our own works. Not by our own intellect or our own understanding but rather by the inspiration of God that I believe that he exalts upon us. <clears throat> and all of this is brought to pass because, you see, even our belief. We talked about that maybe briefly, uh, about our belief. You see, our belief is, 
is not something we work up within ourselves. It's not something, do we, that we develop within ourselves. But rather it is something that I believe that God works within us. We made mention of, of first, or the Gospel of John, the 6th chapter, verses 28 and 29, when the Jews came to Jesus and asked him the question, what must we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. So I want to point out, Mike, you see that our belief is a work of God. Something that is given to us. Something I believe that he instills within us. I believe in the book of Hebrews says he writes it on our hearts and on our minds. But it's something that God exerts toward to us. Let me read for you here in the book of Ephesians, the first chapter. And verse 19, and Ron, I just, I'll use this terminology, just ran on to this. Now I wanted to point out, the Lord revealed this to us this past week. There's other places than where, when the Lord said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him who may have sent. We can also read it in First Timothy, or First Peter, the first chapter, verse 21. But here again, it emphasized the point. Ephesians, the first chapter, and verse 19. It says, And what is the exceeding rich, I'm sorry, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us? Let me pause. What is giving us, what is teaching us is the greatness of his power. And it's directed towards us. And then it goes on to state, Who believe according to the working of his mighty power. We believe because of the working of his mighty power. He's inspired us, Janice, to, to even have any understanding, our belief, anything we know. All of it is because of what God has exerted towards us or inspired us to have. All of it's given. And this is what I want to point out, you see, that God has already determined the process and he's going to take each and every one of us through that process in order for us to be made perfect. Not in your sight. Not in someone else's sight. Not in man's sight. And don't look at this outward man for it to be perfect. It'll never be perfect. But the inward man, I believe, is going to be made perfect. Not in our sight, but in God's sight. He's going to make us exactly the way that he has uh, determined for us to be. But in, our, in that lesson that we had in, in Timothy, I wanted to point this out because I think it's so important. It says in verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And I hope I made mention of this during our last message. You see this, what he's talking about is the process that he's taking us through in this day and time. I call it, I used to call it the church age, but I don't call it the church age anymore because the church age makes it sound universal. I call it the age of the churches. Because, Betty, there's many churches. 
As we've seen this past week, there were several churches represented here. So here, whenever he, whenever uh, he, he stated that in 17th verse, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's the process he's going to take us through to, or the assignment that he's going to take us through. But I want to point out a couple of things in that verse of Scripture. The word that. Now, Ron, I've told you many times. Big words, I look at them and I go, hmm, look, look up in the dictionary. Oh, well, Linda, how do you pronounce that? <laughs> I need a lot of assistance. Even with the little words, I look at them because I think they're so important. The word that means designate specifically. It means intent. And I hope that all of us are brought to realize that he's talking about the intent of God, not the intent of man. That, the man of God, that's the Lord's specific, designating specifically and also his intent, that he be perfect. There's a big question, Ron. The man of God, because I heard and I've also read some books here recently what they describe the man of God and how they describe him the man of God is all people man, woman, Jew, Gentile all human beings the man of God well, the way I look at it, and I hope that all of us are brought to understand this. You see, this the intent of God. I'll get a little ahead of myself, Mike. But the intent of God is that, that the man of God be made perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. So my question is, is this religious world here doing good works? If they were the man of God, they would be, do, be doing the good works. But I want to point out here, just go to a couple of places. If you go back over in the Old Testament, and I've probably made mention of this, the first time that the, the, word, the terminology man of God is used, I believe, is in Deuteronomy, the 33rd chapter and verse 1, talking about Moses, the man of God. Now he was a chosen vessel preserved all, and even whenever he was thrown them in the bulrushes he was preserved there by the hand of God. <coughs> Later on as he was grown up even whenever he was taken into the house of Pharaoh after he was grown he left that place and then many things happened. But all of it was for a purpose that God used him as a tool and instrument in his hand. He used him in order that he might lead the children of Israel out of bondage, out of Egypt. You remember the staff that he had, Ron, when he raised his staff. There were many things that took place. Turned the water into blood. 
invaded the land with frogs, with flies, killed the, the beast of the field. Ten different judgments. Well, let me rephrase that. Ten different plagues were put upon the land of Egypt. Even the last, the slaying of the firstborn. That was also done for a particular reason. I hope to point this out at the latter portion of it. Finally, after he after he slain the the firstborn, Pharaoh was caused to let the people go. Then, when he let them go, he was also caused to charge after them. If you look over in the book, and if you read in the book of Exodus from the fourth chapter all the way over to the fifteenth chapter. It gives a detail of all these things that took place. Then they kept gets to the 14th chapter, and I believe verse 13. And this was a purpose that this man of God was, was chosen out to do. He said, Stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. And as for he shall deliver you. And what, what had occurred there was the dividing of the Red Sea. Moses read, raised his staff, the sea was divided. Dry ground in order that Israel march on through. Then it was they were pursued. But you see there was a division for a while, short while, of the of the cloud, dark like darkness between the Egyptians and Egypt or Israel. And then Israel goes through the dry on dry ground. Here comes the Egyptians on through, so we're going to get them. They got stuck up in the mud. <laughs> and then it was the Lord told. Moses, you raise your staff. And whenever he did, the walls of the water came down. He, well, slew every one of them there. It was in, for a purpose of showing God's power. I'm going to read this for you over in just a verse of Scripture to give you a detail. Over in First Kings, it's 17th chapter, I believe. But Elijah was, was commanded by God to go to the brook of Cherubah. I believe that's how it's pronounced. The Lord told Elijah, which you, you can, said, you go to this brook You'll have water. I'm going to command the ravens to feed you by day, bringing bread and meat. To me, Debbie, that's something impossible. If the, if the ravens got a hold of something, they, they would devour. 
But God calls them to feed him each morning and each day and every evening. He was had water there. When the brook dried up, he was commanded of the Lord to go to the widow woman. Have her to give you bread and water. He went to her and told her, give me, fetch me some water and give me some bread. I'm telling this in my words. Oh no, I can't. I don't have just enough for me and my son. And we're almost out of oil. But the Lord he commanded that lay, that woman, the widow woman, said, you go and you do as I told you. She went, I don't know how, how long it was, Ron, but he, every day she fed him, had bread and had water, and the oil never dried up. This time, you see, her son became sick. And Phoebe said he lost his breath, evidently. In other words, his life. Moses said, or I'm sorry, Elijah said, let me have him. Took him, put him up in the loft, where evidently where Elijah was staying. Laid him on his bed. Prayed to the Lord, and I forgot to count how many words he used. But he prayed to the Lord, you give him life. The Lord gave him life. He brought the son back. And let me read for you here the supply or the reply of the widow woman. And keep in mind, whenever he said what what he what he what he had done in the book of First Kings, the eighteenth chapter or seventeenth chapter, and verse. Let me read verse twenty three and twenty four. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him in unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy, thy son liveth. Verse 24. And the woman said, unto, said to Elijah, Now by this know that thou art a man of God. Now let me pause. Keep in mind, Ron, he was called the man of God. And let and and what and what he, what she was saying, by this I know that thou art a man of God. And here's also some evidence. In other words, if we was looking for attributes or evidence of the of the man of God, what would we look for? And he answers that ghost I'm sorry, and that latter portion of verse 24 and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth that's what you're going to always see from the man of God so if we ask the question when the Lord was here he talked to many people the multitudes and even as Brother Lynn made mention of, even at times whenever he took his disciples aside in Matthew the fifth chapter, he talked with them. One of the brethren on the Zoom this morning was talking about whenever Jesus talked with his disciples, 
in John the 13th chapter and John the 14th chapter. He talked with them. But he taught many people and he spoke to them many words. But I might ask the question, did he know what he was talking about? And Mike, I believe the Lord knew what he was talking about. So if you would, turn with me to John the 8th chapter. And Ron, when you get time to look at all this chapter, if, if we can read it and God could cause us to digest it, as I look at this and I, I think, well, how can we claim that the man of God is every individual? Whenever we read the words of the Lord, whenever he spoke. John the 8th chapter, let me read a few verses of scripture here if we may. Starting in verse 39. Then answered and said unto him, Abraham is our, these were the scribes and Pharisees speaking. Said Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if Abraham were your father, you would do the works of Abraham. Let me pause. Do the works of Abraham. What was in our lesson, Ron? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we're doing some comparison with works. He said, you do the works of your father, Abraham. Then he goes on in verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of, of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do, keep in mind, ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we are, we are not born in fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceedeth forth and came forth from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? And let me pause. Why don't you understand my speech? And let me point out, they heard the verbal words that he had to say. They just didn't hear a noise. They heard the words. But he said, why don't you understand my speech? And he tells us the answer why. And keep in mind, you see, all scripture is given, given by inspiration. And he says here, why don't you understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my words. I come down to the point whenever the Lord told his disciples in Matthew the 13th chapter. I believe verse 16. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. These didn't understand it. I might ask the question, why? There's only one answer. They weren't given the ability to hear. But he, then he goes on to state, and let me read this for you in verse 44. He said, ye are of your father the devil. And Ronald asked again, did the Lord know what he was saying? He didn't say they were a man of God. He said, ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father 
ye will do. In other words, the, those deeds or those works is going to be exactly what you, what you follow after the, your father, the devil. In other words, that would be the attributes of one who is not the man of God. So he goes on to state here, Ye are your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because the truth is not in him. When he said, When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of, him, of his own. He is a liar and the father of it. Let me pause. What are the ones that are the followers of this one who's called father your your father the devil? What are they going, what attributes are they going to have? The same that the, the, that the devil had. He's going to speak of himself. And Phoebe, I'll, I'll tell you this. You listen to the religious world. All they have to speak about is themselves. Look what I've done. Look what choices I've made. Look at all the work that I've performed. Look at all my studies. Look at my intellect. Everything is about themselves. It's not about the one who gave them what they knew that they, well, that would, wouldn't be the truth that they would lift up God, but rather lift up themselves. Verse 45, And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convicteth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. I don't know, Ron, how much plainer it can be. How can you state that everyone is a, everyone is a man of God whenever this is on the, is the contrary? And I wanted to point that out because I think we're, we need to understand. And I realize that I might, might as well say it's on my mind. These things creep into Baptist churches as well. But I hope that God would cause us to be, cause us to be overcomers of this, cause us to be made perfect in His sight, and have the words that are put in our mouth that is of the truth in order that other ones would know, like yourself, Ron, a man of God. Because these ones are going to be made, I believe, perfect. But all this work is going to be, be brought to pass according to His will. That's all I have.